0: 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to get there in, in a moment. Um, we're in a series that started a couple of weeks ago and will run for probably half a dozen messages. And it's called Destructive lifestyles. And I am inviting you to live a destructive lifestyle. Usually that's not a good thing. Um, but the, the destruction that we want to do is to the enemy and to his kingdom Um, And what I want to look at in this series is spiritual warfare, but not as we maybe think about it. Sometimes we think spiritual warfare means going into a room with a bunch of people and shouting at the devil. And there's a time and a place for declaring and proclaiming truth in the heavenly realms. There's a time and a place for confronting darkness and praying deliverance over people's lives. There's a time and a place for that. But spiritual warfare is so much more encompassing than that. And what, what we're looking at here is what are the lifestyles that we can embrace as the people of God that will do great damage to the kingdom of darkness? What are the ways that we can live 24-7 that will destroy the kingdom of the enemy and build and see Jesus build his kingdom? What, what, you know, so we're looking at things that you might not normally uh, associate with spiritual warfare, um, Here's a, here's a verse at the start of Psalm 68 that I just read the other day in my reading plan. And I thought that's, a, that's another good tag verse for this series. May God arise. May his enemies be scattered. When we live a lifestyle that, he, that, that allows God to arise within us, within our character uh, and what we do, when we let God arise, his enemies will be scattered from us. Do you get the point? So we're living big, Christ-exalting, God-honoring lives and at the same time the enemy is getting scattered. What are the ways we can choose to live that not only stop the enemy at the door but drive him back? Um, The first one we looked at was sacrifice and we ran with a verse in, in 1 Samuel. It was chapter 7, verse 10. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering... The Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines. Do you see it? While Samuel is sacrificing, while he is bringing an offering to God at the same time, Samuel's not bothered with the Philistines and he's not talking to the Philistines. He's not engaging with them. But while he is bringing a sacrifice to God, God's wrecking all around him in the Philistine camp. That picture of God arises, may God arise in a sacrificial life. And may his enemies be scattered. So that was the first one. And the second one for today is forgiveness. Again, maybe not something you associate with spiritual warfare. But uh, I believe it is very clearly linked. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 5 to verse 11. Just as a starting point. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 5, if anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. So there's a guy in the church in Corinth who has caused trouble and he's caused grief. And that's who Paul is talking about in these verses. Verse 7, now instead you ought to forgive And comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. It sounds like the guy's repentant. It sounds like he's apologetic. And Paul is encouraging the church to forgive him rather than making him feel worse. Verse 8, I urge you therefore to reaffirm your love for him. The reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, listen to this, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not aware, we are not unaware, sorry, of his schemes. I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order... That Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Do you see the connection? There's a lifestyle to live, and it's a lifestyle of forgiveness. How is that spiritual warfare? It's because Satan wants to outwit us. And if we live a life of forgiveness, he's not able to do that. Yeah? We thwart him in his tactics and we thwart him in his efforts to do damage. Um, The the word for outwit there basically means that he might not get an advantage. That's what what the word literally means an advantage. If we are unforgiven, if we do not forgive those that have wronged us, we are given Satan an advantage. (coughs) It is like a battle where we are handing him a shotgun. If I refuse to forgive someone who has wronged me, I am handing the enemy a shotgun and then I am going to war with a Nerf gun. I have given him an advantage. You understand? I have put something into his hands. I have personally put into his hands a weapon that gives him the advantage in the battle. And the one who has the advantage usually wins. This is so important. This is spiritual warfare. Forgiveness is vital. When we forgive people, we deny the enemy the opportunity to use that shotgun against us. This is an act of war. It's not just a simple little thing that baby Christians do. You have to forgive people. You know, that word forgive, sometimes there's almost something that's. We expect the kids to do it, or we expect young Christians to do it, but we've moved on. You know, we're 20 years down the road and and we have progressed. No, 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 no. A lifestyle of forgiveness. I'm going to just stop now and I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to engage with me in this. I want you to close your eyes and I'm going to just pray. And I want you to repeat what I pray. I'm going to pause for a few seconds and then continue. Okay? So here we go Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and show me who I need to forgive. Amen. If no one has come into your mind while you've done that, you're at the wrong church because we're all broken people and you're perfect. (laughs) You're perfect. I'm sure pictures and faces and maybe surprises even have come before you. I, I didn't really think I needed to forgive that person, but maybe I do. Why is forgiveness so important? So as I've mentioned already, it's to prevent Satan from gaining an advantage. Second reason why it's so important is to prevent bitterness from arising within us. Now, Ephesians, we went through Ephesians last year. Let me just read a little bit from Ephesians 4. It's just a few pages to the right if you have your Bible open in Corinthians. Ephesians 4, verse 30 see how things are linked together here. This, this is a part of Ephesians that just gets devastating in terms of its practical demands on us. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. How would we grieve the Holy Spirit? What are the things we need to get rid of because uh, to avoid grieving Him? Get rid of all bitterness, Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ God forgave you, get rid of bitterness, forgive. If we do not forgive, there is bitterness that rises up in our hearts. And bitterness is toxic. Toxic. Bitterness will poison you. It will poison you. I think it was in the Freedom in Christ course that somebody said, unforgiveness is like pouring a glass of poison for the person that you're refusing to forgive and then drinking it yourself. That's the poison of of bitterness. And Hebrews talks about a root of bitterness. See to it, Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, when that bitterness grows within you, it doesn't just affect you, it affects those around you. So every single one of us in the room, we have a responsibility to deal with the bitterness and to root it out because it's not only affecting me, it's affecting those who are close to me as well. And it's affecting the church. We need to root out bitterness. A root is a, is a difficult thing to shift. Let's talk about parsnips. Do you like parsnips? Parsnips are a good and blessed thing. So sometimes you go to the shop, you'll get parsnips and they're small, you know, they're small and they're feeble and they're just not very impressive. This is a parsnip right here on the screen. <laughs> Uh, grown not too far from here. To give you an idea of the size of it, I'm I'm holding it beside a human um, who is over here right now and a bit bigger than than he was in that picture. So that's just like a point of reference for how big the parsnip actually is. Um, Here it is beside a dog, just so you see again, you know, God bless her. Um, You you see again the size. And then this, this is one of my favorites. This one reminds me of Braveheart for some reason just you just i don't know there's that i don't know what it is but i just want to see that i just i just think you know william william wallace is about to come come over the hills like see getting one of those bad boys out of the ground it is hard work it is hard work you will not pull that out of the ground with your hands you won't carrot maybe small parsnip yes but that no that has grown and got a hold and you will not shift that with, with your hands that has to be dug out it's just bedded in, rooted in, and it will not shift easily. And if we don't deal with unforgiveness, then the way I visualize it, and I and I do and have for a long time visualized, I got one of those growing in my heart. Getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And as it gets bigger. It, it, it leaves less room for other things in my heart. It just starts to dominate. It starts to to feed out other little side roots all over the place. And it gets bigger and bigger. And the longer it grows and grows and grows, the harder it is to shift. That's what I picture when I think of a root of bitterness. So we have to forgive to prevent bitterness. Here's another reason why forgiveness is so important. Those who do not forgive will not be forgiven. Now that's got to rattle you, folks. If you are awake at all in the Spirit, that has got to rattle you. In Matthew 6, Jesus taught us how to pray. And it's one of the things, I don't know about you, but when I learned it as a kid, I just used to always wonder, what is, what is this trespassing lark about? Because, uh, you, know, you know, forgive us our trespasses. All I could think of was walking in a field that you shouldn't be in, because that's what, that's what trespassing meant to a child. Um. Forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And the only point in the prayer that Jesus goes on to elaborate on in verse 14 is he says, If you forgive men and women when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now this ought to rattle us, especially if faces came before us as we paused and prayed earlier. Verse 15, if you do not forgive men and women their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Oh, my. Hmm. That's really, really serious, isn't it? That I could go through my life singing and reading and preaching and on mission and loving my family and working hard and honoring God and my job and hold a grudge and arrive before him. You didn't forgive that person. You held a grudge your whole life. My goodness, this is important. This is so important. So important. The words, I cannot forgive, you know, if there's a Holy Spirit version of Google Translate and you say to it, I cannot forgive, it says back to you, you are not forgiven. All right? You're not forgiven. And this is, this is you know, as Jesus prays, if this is new to the disciples, you've got to understand they, this was hard for them to take. Because forgiveness for them was always associated with the temple and it was always associated with sin offerings. And now Jesus is, is bringing something radically new and, say, and, and associating forgiveness with himself, who is, of course, the temple and who will, of course, make a sin offering. But he's, he's, he's doing something different. When he prays earlier in the prayer, kingdom come, he's now saying, here's an example of what it looks like the kingdom has come in my life, I will forgive. If I do not forgive, I'm holding up a big sign saying, kingdom hasn't actually come here, folks. It's all a sham. If the kingdom has come, I will forgive. I'm chatting to Linda on the way down the road last night and asking her about this and just saying, you know, what? what's your take on forgiveness? And, and she, she, you know, she, she went through a pile of things, that, that, you know things that I had already. And then she said, forgiveness is a turning away from something. It's when you set the issue on the table in front of you and you choose to turn away from it. Whatever that is, whatever that pain, that hurt, that person, that memory, you set it on the table and it's a turning away. I'm not gonna sit and gaze at this thing anymore and play around with it and allow it to harm me. I'm going to actually turn away from it. Unforgiveness, those who don't forgive will not be forgiven. And one one last thing at this section of the message, why is forgiveness so important? Unforgiveness leads to self-torment. There's a parable in Matthew 18. I'm not going to read all of it, but to summarize it, Jesus tells the story about a guy who had a big debt. Right? Millions of pounds in our money. He had this massive debt that he could not pay. And the king or the master comes to him and says, Your debt's cancelled. The guy comes and begs and says, I can't pay this. And he says, Okay, we, we will cancel your debt and we will let you go. This guy is on the receiving end of tremendous grace and mercy. But then later in the story, he goes out and he finds one of his servants. So, Master has forgiven him a huge debt. And then he goes and finds one of his servants who only owes him a few quid. And he hammers the guy. He won't cancel the debt. He refuses, puts the man into prison until he could pay the debt. And the end of the story, the master comes back to this servant who had the, the huge millions of pounds debt cancelled. And he says to him, Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In, his, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Unforgiveness leads to torture, and the only person getting tortured is me. When I choose not to forgive someone, I'm not torturing that person. I'm probably not affecting them in any way. They're getting on with their life, happy as Larry, but I'm getting tortured. You know what that feels like if you're human you've 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 experienced that where you're you're just so angry and you're so caught up about something and you and you're you're withholding forgiveness and you're being tortured and you know you're being tortured you're in turmoil because of unforgiveness forgiveness is so important because if we don't do it we put ourselves we, we basically walk into the prison and say torture me please you know Why is forgiveness so hard? Eh? It's really hard, isn't it? I actually, mm, I I think it might be one of the hardest things that Jesus calls us to as we follow him. It really, really is. And the reason it's so hard is because everything in us is screaming, it's not fair. (laughs) You know, we, we tell the children not to talk like that, but we all behave like that when we're wronged. It's not fair. It's not right. And they shouldn't get away with it. That's, that's, the, the, that's what rises up within us. And do you know what? That rises up within us because we're made in the image of God. And that's exactly the way we should feel when injustice is done. That's entirely in keeping with being made in the image of God. Where we look at things and we experience things and there's something within us that screams, That's not right. And I'm not trying to flip that around and tell you, well, you know, actually it is right. No, no, it's not right. It is not right. It is not fair, those things. They're not right. There's a cry within us for for justice because we're made in the image of God. Listen to to David in in Psalm 35. Lord, you have seen this. He He goes to God about something that has happened. He says, God, you've seen this. You've seen this thing that's happened to me. Don't be silent, God. Do not be far from me, Lord. Awake and rise to my defense. Contend for me, my God and Lord. Vindicate me. Oh, folks, this is there not within all of us a Holy Spirit cry for justice and vindication. Vindicate me in your righteousness, Lord my God. Do not let them gloat over me. That's a fine attitude to have. To yearn for vindication and to yearn for justice. But let God do it. Let God do it, okay? Don't you try to do it? You let God do it. But what I want you to know is forgiveness is really hard because there is a God-given cry within every believer for justice. And that's why it's so hard to look at a situation and and, and at one point you're feeling this cry for justice and this sense of this is wrong. But you're also hearing Jesus saying, Forgive. 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 Hand it over to God. Let him deal with it. God will judge. Romans 14.10 Why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? We will all stand before God's judgment seat. God will deal with it. God will deal with it. Do Do we trust him or not? Do we trust him to deal with it? the wrong that we may feel we have experienced. Let me read a slightly longer passage from from Romans 12. It'll be on the screen here. We're really impatient. (laughs) We want to, God, do it now, please, come on. Why are you taking so long? Sort this out. Does this not grieve you, God? Does this not annoy you? Have you not prayed like that? Like, be honest with me. Have you not come into the presence of God sometime on your own when nobody can hear you and just said, God, why are you not doing something about this? How can you just let it pass? Romans 12, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There's part that depends on you. There's part that depends on the other person. You're not responsible for them. You're responsible for you. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Let him deal with it. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, or in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. When you encounter that person who has wronged you, reach out the hand to shake, not to hit. (laughs) Hmm? Bless them. Show them kindness. Diffuse the situation. You maybe have it within your power to destroy somebody because they've done something wrong and you know what they've done, but you don't use that power. You set that aside and you reach out the hand and you show love. Gratitude, thankfulness. Not easy following Jesus. Sure it's not. Did anybody tell you it would be easy? wouldn't me. Do not overcome or do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're talking about destructive lifestyles. We're talking about what is the lifestyle that will do damage to the kingdom of darkness. Let's quickly run through a few forgiveness facts. Um, First one, it was not okay and it is not easy. When I challenge you to forgive, please understand me. I am not saying that what happened to you was okay. Okay and you're not saying that what happened to you was okay. That is not what we mean. We are not belittling the experience that you have had. We're not. And we're not saying that forgiveness will be easy. It's not easy. That's why when Jesus said, if you're gonna follow me, you better think about it. You better go count the cost. You better go count the cost. Before you start building a tower, go count the cost. Have you got the money and the resources to finish it? Before you go to war, go and check your your military resources. Can you actually go to war? Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Follow me. Discipleship. Are you sure? Because this is tough. (laughs) This is a hard calling. It was not okay. What happened to you was not okay was not okay, and they shouldn't have done it. It was wrong. Let God deal with it. So please do not misunderstand me and hear me saying, get over it. I'm not saying, get over it. I'm not saying it was not a big deal. It was a big deal. So please do not misunderstand forgiveness as being a minimizing of what happened or a reduction of what happened. Forgiveness does not pretend that it doesn't hurt. Forgiveness is not letting people get away with it. You know, when you talk to someone about forgiveness and they maybe say, you mean you just want me to let them get away with it? No, I don't want you to let them get away with it. I want you to lay down your right to revenge that you feel that you have and I want you to trust God to deal with it. Forgiveness, somebody said, is, is taking a person off your hook and putting them onto God's hook. You deal with God. I don't want to deal with it. I can't deal with it. I won't deal with it in perfect righteousness the way you will. You deal with it. And you may never feel that you've received justice in this life. But he will deal with it. He will deal with it. Abraham said in in Genesis 18, 25, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Do you think you can judge better than God? Do you think you can deal with this issue better than he can deal with it? So forgiveness is not just letting someone away with something that was horrendous. Forgiveness is setting it before God, saying, you deal with it. I'm not going to carry it anymore. Bitterness must be swiftly removed. One of my favorite movies in recent years, and I wish I actually was here, because then if I asked, has anybody else seen it, at least one hand would go up. Um, but there was, a, there was a class old Western, John Wayne Western, way back in the 70s, I think, called True Grit. And it was remade about 8 or 10 years ago by the Cohen brothers, who just give it their own wee unique twist. And it was actually fantastic. It really is. It's about a, an old, grizzled US marshal who is employed by a seriously stroppy 14-year-old girl to go and catch the guy that, that murdered her father. It's a fantastic film. But towards the end of the movie, she's bitten by a rattlesnake. And I love the scene because as soon as he, as he gets down into this, this pit and he, and he finds her, where are you bitten? She shows him her hand with the bite marks on it and he instantly puts his mouth over it and starts to suck, to suck the poison out of the wound. Instantly. Not going to let this thing get any further that it has already got. There's an immediacy and there's an urgency. Bitterness, poison has got in and we need to pull it out as quick as we possibly can before it starts to move through the system. Just this lovely scene where he, where he grabs her hand and slaps his mouth around it and starts to suck <coughs> and spit. Bitterness must be swiftly removed. Do not leave it to seep and do more damage. Number four, forgiveness is between you and God. This is much misunderstood. Forgiveness is not between you and the other person. If you, after we, we you know, do this thing this morning and, and we stand in God's presence, and if you really do business with God and in your heart decide to forgive someone, they may never know about that. It may not affect them in any way. This is about you. There's almost a beautiful... This is not sort of theologically correct, but a beautiful selfishness about this. I'm doing this for me. (laughs) I'm forgiving that person for me, not for them. I'm forgiving them for me. It's between me and God because, as we read earlier, if, if you don't forgive, God does not forgive you. It's between you and him. You're the one who will be tormented, not them, you. You're the one who will therefore be set free When you forgive and when the bitterness and the poison is taken out. You're the one who gets out of prison and gets away from the tormentors. This is about you. This is liberating truth for you. And you don't need to go and tell them that you've forgiven them. Unless they've asked. You know, if someone comes to you, and and in my experience, this is an exceptionally rare thing. If someone comes to you and says, listen, I've wronged you. Will you forgive me? Absolutely. Say, yes, yes, I totally forgive you. I love you. Come on. Um, but it's very, very rare that that happens. I would not advise that you go to the door of someone who has wronged you, and knock on the door, and when they answer the door, say, "I forgive you," because that will just—they will see that as, as you just sort of being a wee bit twisted and deviant, and they won't hear the words "I forgive you." They will hear the words "You were wrong." <laughs> that's that's what they will interpret your visit to mean. And they'll probably go into a rage. You know, How dare you? I don't need forgiven. I didn't do anything wrong. And the whole thing gets worse. So I wouldn't advise necessarily going to someone unless they, unless you know that they're yearning for your forgiveness. I wouldn't advise going to them. It's between you and God. Number five, forgiveness is ongoing. Another misunderstood principle of forgiveness. In Matthew 18, before Jesus told the parable about the guy who refused to cancel the debt of his servant, Peter comes to him in verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. You know, how many of you have, as, as siblings with, with brothers have actually <laughs> said that out loud? How many times do I have to actually forgive him? How many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Seven times, would that be enough, Jesus? Seven's pretty good. Number of perfection, all that seven's good and Jesus answered I tell you not seven times but seventy seven times or some translations say seventy times seven and he doesn't mean you go to seventy seven times and then the seventy eighth time that they do something wrong you just wallop them you know That's not, he's not about keeping count. He's just saying, no, 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 you don't count. You just keep on forgiving and forgiving and forgiving because I'll tell you something that you'll find. And and these are things that I'm learning as I go through the journey myself as well. Just because you forgive somebody in August doesn't mean you still forgive them. (laughs) It doesn't mean that Satan won't come and stir the whole thing up again and try to get you with it. You will find yourself having to forgive the same person over and over and over and over and over again. Because the enemy knows it's a weak spot and the enemy will keep on coming back and just a wee poke, do you remember what that person did to you? (laughs) And you're like, ah, but I forgave that person on the 13th of August, 2019. I prayed and I declared, I forgive that person. But the enemy comes back in September, 2019 and says, ah, but you remember what? And you start stirring it up again in your mind and then the bitterness starts to seep. And even though you haven't encountered the person since August, still the enemy can cause the bitterness to seep. You need to make it a daily habit. One of the things that I have tried to do is every time somebody comes into my mind who I believe has wronged me, and I I practice what I preach on this, I do this. I say, Father, bless them. I release forgiveness. Bitterness is not getting into this heart of mine. Bless them. Bless their work. Bless their family. Bless their health. Bless everything about them, Father. Bless them, and let the bitterness be gone. I had an incident one time earlier this year where, where someone really literally cursed me it was almost it was bordering on witchcraft if it was not witchcraft got in my face and told me that i was going to die and i mean it one minute later i was in here and i said lord bless him i forgive him and i'm not letting this get into my heart bless him bless his business bless his family bless his heart help him lord with whatever he's dealing with but ain't no bitterness getting in here (laughs) no way no way so get that i just challenge you develop that habit when those faces come before you just develop that habit of a wee bullet prayer bang forgive them bless them lord i forgive them and then move on with your day it's a great way to live and it's a powerful christ-like way to live i'm nearly done number six you need to forgive yourself some of us we forgive others but we have things that we did in the past and mistakes we've made in the past and we refuse to forgive ourselves. And we say things like, well, I understand how Jesus can forgive that person and forgive that person, but God oh, can't forgive me for that. That was too bad. you understand? If we refuse to forgive ourselves, we are then declaring to God that we have a higher standard than him. <laughs> you, know? you know, God, yes, you can forgive me and that's it. but my standard is much higher and I can't forgive myself. Now that's balderdash. Yeah? Do not hold on forgiveness against yourself. Forgive yourself for the mistakes you've made, folks. God has forgiven you. If you need to go to someone and ask for forgiveness and reconcile and shake hands and say, God bless you, do that. But don't hold on forgiveness against yourself. God forgives you. Let that be good enough. Number seven, forgiveness is a not a feeling, it is a choice. I don't really feel like forgiving right now. Well, newsflash, you never will, ever. (laughs) You're never gonna feel like forgiving. You know when you're really, really sick, I thank God that that health is really good uh, for me and I don't often get really, really sick, but you know when you're just, you're coped in bed and you feel absolutely miserable and you know you need to go to the doctor. Do you feel like you need to go to the doctor? Probably not. You just want to lay there. You don't want to get up and you don't want to get showered and you don't want to get dressed and get in the car and and drive to the doctor. You just, you don't feel like doing that, but you know you need to. Forgiveness, you will never feel like it, ever. It is a choice. It is a choice that you make yourself, I am going to forgive this person. Choose to do it. Don't pray, Lord, help me to forgive That's just a waste of time. A prayer like that. Just forgive. Just do it. It's one of those simple things in the Christian life that you don't need to go and pray for help for. Just do it. If you're going to follow Jesus. Number eight, and this is almost the last one, which means there's nine. Forgiveness is the first step. (coughs) No, no, I've missed out one. Forgiveness is the first step to reconciliation. It's not on the screen. But forgiveness is the first step to reconciliation. They're not the same thing. Your responsibility is to forgive. The relationship unfortunately may never be reconciled because the other person may not want to reconcile. You are free from the responsibility for reconciliation of the relationship if you have forgiven. That's your responsibility. But forgiveness can be the first step to reconciliation. And reconciliation glorifies God. And the last one. Forgiveness shows the world what God is like. When Jesus hung on the cross and he was approaching the end, he, in Luke's gospel, he cried out the words, it's not fair. <laughs> Did he? This is not right. I should not be here. I don't deserve this. I made these people and I love these people and look at how they're treating me. This is not right. This is an injustice. I shouldn't be here. You've got the wrong guy. It's not fair. <laughs> is that what he cried? Could have. He wouldn't, have been, he wouldn't have been saying anything wrong if he had declared that because it wasn't fair and it wasn't right. He said, Father, forgive them. And if I choose me personally, if I choose not to forgive someone, the way I visualize it and the way I've challenged others about it as well over the years, any time it needs challenged is I basically say, you just picture yourself walking up Calvary, Golgotha, that hill outside Jerusalem, and you see Jesus hanging on a cross, paying the price for your sins and offering you forgiveness. And you basically just go, yeah, no. And you walk off down the hill again and hold on forgiveness in your heart towards somebody. You're basically spitting in his eye when he's on the cross. You're rejecting what he has done. You're failing to genuinely reflect his character to the world. And you're not acting like a disciple of King Jesus. This is one of the hardest things. One of the hardest things. But we really do belittle the cross when we hold our stupid little grudges. Let it go. I beg of you, let it go. Just release it. Release it and feel the change that comes. And develop that habit over the next few days. Every time the name or the face comes before you, Father, bless them. I forgive them. Bless them. No bitterness. Just put up a boundary around you with big signs all over it saying, no bitterness. (laughs) Bitterness will will not be tolerated. Get on with it, folks, and see the change that will come. In conclusion, back to Second Corinthians. And that verse, just to hold it before you, it says, I have forgiven for Christ's sake in order that Satan might not outwit us. If an angel came in here right now and said, if you people all go out and do tumble overs up and down the car park, the power of God will break out in this town. We would all do it. Yeah? We'd just get out there and go for it. Probably do it anyway for the crack. <laughs> but we'd go, out, we'd go out and we would do it. And, and you know, if he said some other thing, you know, go out and run up and down the street with tambourines and flags and the glory of God will pour out in this town and you'll see the strongholds of the enemy start to crumble and you'll see the kingdom come and you'll see young and old returning to Jesus. We would do it. But he's given us this powerful weapon of forgiveness. And he's waiting for us to actually deploy it in our own lives. you imagine if a room full of people are completely free of bitterness, have chosen to forgive everyone that has wronged them, and suddenly the power of God will break out. Will break out. Use this weapon, folks. This is spiritual warfare 24-7. Some of you... You've maybe been wronged in business and you haven't forgiven the person that wronged you and there's a bitterness and a poison in your heart and what you're doing now isn't doing well because you're full of that bitterness against that person. Some of you have been wronged in a relationship in the past and your heart is consumed with bitterness and all your other relationships now are strained because of it. So many ways this filth can seep into our lives. King Jesus came to take it away came to take it away we are forgiven let's be forgiving so as iron comes to sing to lead us maybe we can just have a wee bit of music just for a minute or two just to just to be quiet before god and to do some business with him you can do this business with him in your own heart And if you want to declare it out loud and you want to sit down with someone afterwards in the prayer room and just declare out loud, I forgive that person for that thing, for making me feel that way, and I release them and I bless them in Jesus' name and bitterness is not going to come into me anymore. If you want to do that with someone, pick someone. Don't think you have to pick me. It doesn't have to be anyone. Anyone who loves Jesus. Anyone. Just take them in and say, come on, I want you to agree with me. I'm going to release this thing once and for all. But can we just can we, can we take a moment, and I want to pray that prayer and ask you to pray it again. And then we'll, we'll take a couple of minutes before we start to sing. So you can sit, you can stand, but close your eyes if you would. Put your hands out if you want to. Whatever posture helps you to, to, to come before God. And pray after me. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and show me who I need to forgive."